We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. I'm Stefan LeCoe, and I am joined today by Wispy the Kid. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I flew in late last night. It was pretty awesome. So I spent the weekend up in Seattle, which was beautiful. I we were supposed to go to the zoo yesterday, and I'm giving you a lot more than just a how are you, by the way, and I and I know that. <laughs> but we were supposed to go to the zoo, but it was, you know, Veterans Day Observed, so it was just crazy busy, so we didn't go. So we went down to the beach right there instead, and we ended up seeing like a whale and all kinds of like sea otters and seals and all this kind of crazy stuff, so it was pretty awesome. And then flew back last night, landed in Denver. It was 17 degrees. Went out to the to get the car, and it wouldn't start because it was too cold in the engine. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Oh, shit. <laughs> Froze over. So it was like, you know, 10 p.m. My, my kids were like, what's happening? Why aren't we moving? 
And uh, yeah, I ended up leaving a bag there, so I had to drive back this morning, which is like 45 minutes away. So it's been a it's been an interesting day so far. Oh man, yeah, that sounds like uh, a lot. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about this just before, but all of that, and that's still not the worst day for someone in the state of Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> poor, I mean, poor coach got fired today. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it there was only a matter of time. With how good they started, uh, Colorado definitely, uh, McIntyre definitely ex- started to raise the team expectations. And when they, I mean, you drop five straight, including a loss to Arizona, they're done. Arizona's a very good team. They did beat Oregon earlier this year. Yeah, you um, know, that great <laughs> Oregon team. So so for for his son, who's on the team, who plays like slot receiver or whatever, how do you think that, that goes over in the in the locker room with like, like daddy's gone? <laughs> you got to think he's looking around like, all right, how do I do transfer paperwork? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when um, for the U.S. men's national team for soccer, when when coach Bob Bradley uh, was fired and then his son was at the time, like the captain of the team, everyone's like, well, we'll see how long Michael sticks around. But yeah, it's not easy being the coach's kid. I'm sure for a lot of reasons. No, definitely not. Yeah. So, so getting into this week, I mean, we are, we're getting close to, I mean, closer and closer to, to the playoff. And one of those questions that I was thinking about is I was thinking about, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma in a minute when we get into the to their game over the weekend because that was such an exciting game. Um, that was the best game of the weekend. Yeah, but you look at a team like Oklahoma and you look at a team like Michigan, and everyone has Michigan penciled in at number four, and probably rightfully so. But, I mean, it's a probably. I mean, they, they both have a loss, and they both have been winning games, but very differently. So it just kind of raised this question in my mind for you. What What criteria would you use to, to rank teams and and what do you think about the current way that that the system is set up it's sort of an interesting system in the fact that i mean you really are kind of splitting hairs when you get to team get like in that three four five six range if they're all one loss teams it's really hard to really separate them and you have to look at things like well how what type of wins do they have on their schedule? Like Oklahoma's schedule, if they if they manage to run through this all, is going to just be littered with these win after win after win after win. But then you like run off the field by a Texas team, and I mean we we were both watching that game. That final scoreline where they only lost um, by three points a feels like a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've got wins over. I mean they've, I mean they're Iowa State, Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma State, and if they get through the schedule, they'll have. Uh, West Virginia as well. Um, and I mean, it, separating them from like a Michigan is going to be, well, well, Michigan's only loss is this. And that's, it's kind of weird that you have to use these kind of differentiating arguments and saying that like one of them, their resume is built on all of these wins and the other one's built on, well, they only have this loss. Um, and that's where I'm really bad at ranking. Like, I think when I tend to do this ranking, I kind of fall back on like, well, the AP has them here, so I know that they're not going to rank them way out of whack with that number. So it's not like I, I have these like really hard and fast rules. I don't like things like bad losses to unranked teams, which is why I kind of agree that Ohio State continues to be at the bottom of the pack of these real contenders. But I kind of think that like I I don't know. It's it is hard to say. Like it's really hard to separate these top teams because there are 
these variations. And I think just even the fact that playing a tough schedule should get some type some type of reward. But even then, I like I have Michigan there right now mostly as my fourth team because I think I think they're the their defense is superior to any other single unit of the competitive teams. And I and I'm saying yes, it is better than Oklahoma's offense. Okay, yeah, that was going to be my question. Now, if Oklahoma's offense, in your opinion, of course. If you thought Oklahoma's offense was better than Michigan's defense, would that be enough to to swing to swing those two around for you, or would you still put more into Michigan because their loss was to the currently ranked number three team in the country? I I actually think that if Oklahoma gets to their schedule, they're going to have a pretty strong case because Michigan's. Unfortunately, then this is the other issue with ranking is Michigan's schedule is depreciating every week, whereas Oklahoma's is probably going to get better and better. Um, and the fact that they're going to play West Virginia twice late is very strongly going to help them because West Virginia, I mean, at worst, they're probably going to have technically two top 15 wins if they manage to get by West Virginia twice. And Iowa State is just going to get better. It's the Big Ten has sort of cannibalized itself, and I think that's the only reason why Oklahoma could eventually get the uh, the push, even though I would say single unit better is probably Michigan because I just think that that one unit's the best in the country. Yeah, I feel like there is a bit of a bias against good offenses in the favor of good defenses. And by good, I mean great. So like, I feel like if you had a great offense up against with a bad defense against a great defense with a bad offense. So like what we think Michigan, what we think of Michigan and Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, if that's I feel that like, matchup, yeah. I feel like Michigan always gets kind of the nod between the two. Cause like Michigan might win 14, 10 and they're like, wow, great defensive effort. Great game. Oklahoma wins 48, 47. And everyone's like, dang, Oklahoma's defense is terrible. We can't trust that team, you know? And it's just kind of like this bias towards defenses that, that I, that I, I noticed anyway, and maybe that's just because no. again, I'm I kind of rooting for the Sooners this year. I respect that. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think that was actually, and it's weird that I I just fell in line with that because I even said the Alabama when we were talking about Alabama and LSU a few weeks ago, it was sort of that matchup in our head of it was Alabama's great offense against LSU's great defense, and even then I said I was like, well, Alabama just needs to score twice or something, and then the game's over. And that might actually be the case with, like, if Michigan and Oklahoma played, if Oklahoma puts up 30, can Michigan put up 30? Um, yeah. Because they haven't proven they can. And as good as Michigan's defense is when you face this potentially historically great offense, they're going to get through eventually. So you're probably – I actually – that's a really good point you made of – Maybe we, because of the shifting landscape of how scoring is going, maybe we do kind of need to not necessarily favor a good offense, but maybe we do need to, like, just because a team wins by three in the 40s doesn't make them worse than a team that wins by three in the teens. Right, yeah, that's and that's all my point. And I, I think, too, like, I love offensive football. I also hate terrible defense. So, I mean, I, there, there is that, that swing. But if I had to choose between watching a great offense with a terrible defense or the, latter, or, or the opposite of that, I'm always going to choose a great offense. What I hate, though, is when you have just two bad offenses playing each other and people say it's good defense because that's not the same thing. <laughs> oh, I, I hate – the worst thing that can happen is when two bad teams play a close game and people call it a great game. Yeah, because Agreed. it was close. I'm like, no, no, no. Just because it's bad football doesn't mean it was a good – like, just because it was a bad close game doesn't mean it was a good game. Yeah. Uh, 
and, yeah. I, and, and I know we're spoiled because we do have the college football playoff. Like, for the longest time, we didn't. Um, but I really want it to go to eight. I mean, just looking at, at what kind of matchups we'd have in, like, a quarterfinals, it's just, oh, man, talk about a lot of really fun matchups. I mean, if, like, Washington State against Alabama. Like, that would just be nuts. Oh, or, Washington, I mean, I would, even at eight, like, leave Ohio State out, just do the current top eight in the yeah, AP. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. West Virginia, Clemson, that's fun. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, yes, please. Michigan, Georgia, uh-huh, yeah. And then potential matchups of uh, Michigan and Alabama, which is my favorite. Actually, wait, is that even on the – I'm so bad at doing this. Like, there's just so many good matchups yes. that we could potentially see. <laughs> yeah, you really have to write I, them all down to look at it. Yeah, no, but you, 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 you mentioned Georgia. And one of my crazy thoughts that I had – so I, I thought Alabama was fine. I, I know some people are overreacting that maybe Bama has been discovered, but no. They're not going to lose. They won 24-0. I know. Um, but say Georgia beats Bama, Georgia's in for sure, obviously. And Alabama's if that's, in. If that's Bama's only loss, you can't let them out. And then poor Michigan and Oklahoma didn't even matter. They're not going to be in. It's going to be it's gonna be Bama, Georgia, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Anyway, we don't have to get into that because it's obviously uh, very, very far down the road and there's still so much that can happen. But there is still so much that can happen. Um, and it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I I kind of wanted to check in with you. Uh, we've got the season, you know, coming to an end. We're I think I just clinched the playoffs in my fantasy in one of my fantasy football league. So whenever that happens, you know you know that the football season's wrapping up, and that means the NFL draft is getting ever so close. We are a college football show, so I wanted to just check in with you and hear some of your your big um, kind of changes as far as draft stock goes. Uh, people who have made a huge climb or people who have just kind of fallen out of nowhere. You can go either the positive or negative here. I'd just love to hear a couple of names and your th- your thoughts behind it. I have a few too, but uh, I think our listeners will get more out of uh, <laughs> out of yours because this is what you do. Well, I mean, I think there's a few uh, names that definitely climbed up this year. Um, one of them who's been injured now for a few weeks, DK Metcalf. Going into this year, there was a lot of thought that he was like the second guy on this uh, Ole Miss offense and that he was well behind A.J. Brown. And it turned into a very 1A, 1B when he was healthy. Now, the only concern about him is he did suffer a pretty serious neck injury. If he does uh, choose to declare this year, uh, there was a lot of talk that he was becoming a first-round wide receiver. If that happens, if he gets any of that, he's gone for sure, you have to imagine. Um but, I mean, he was averaging 20, uh, 21.9 yards per catch, um, had five touchdowns on only uh, 26 catches. He was really interesting to me. Um, another guy that I thought has climbed up a lot of boards uh, se- seemingly out of nowhere is uh, Benny Snell. I think I've mentioned him before yes. a thousand times. He is He's actually kind of what I was hoping Miles Gaskins would be. He proved he's a workhorse. He became dominating. Um, piece of an offense of a team that was competitive um so i think he's climbing upwards i still think he's probably the third or fourth running back in this class which may put him in like the top of the third round but and entering this year there was a real chance that he was going to be a seventh round pick that someone gets and is really happy about now like a, I think like a that, chris carson type out of yeah, yeah now now yeah. i think people know who he is he's he the fact that they they spent some time in the top 10 this year all of a sudden he got this real national spotlight. No one is shocked that Benny Snell is where he is. Um, 
And his personality, just... his personality helps a ton with that too. Like people just love the guy. Oh, he's he's lovable. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the last guy is my favorite player in college football, and I think he should have been in this tier last year. Uh, but I think there's a real chance that uh, the top wide receiver who could start getting DJ Moore type buzz is Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. Um, oh, yeah, I saw you tweeting about him over the weekend. He is. He is my absolute favorite player in college football. He has been now since uh, end of last season. He's gonna end. He'll probably end the year with about a forty-five um, percent dominator and dominator rating for those who aren't aware. And I'm aware on Rotoviz, so everyone's aware. It's basically fifty percent of your market share of the team yards and fifty percent of your market share of team touchdowns. And he is. He's gonna be over forty percent of yards this year again and he's probably going to be somewhere in that 60 percent range for touchdowns he's just been their entire passing offense and he went from another one of those guys that people were like well are nfl guys really going to notice him to no 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 no. he he's going to shoot up the board so um if he ends up a top 50 pick i'm going to be super excited and i'm going to own him in every single dynasty league i'm a yeah. part of yeah a couple questions for you do you uh, do you think AJ Brown will be or should be the number one receiver taken this yeah. year? I don't think he should be. I think he will be. You think over Nikhil Harry? I mean, I, I mean that's who that's who I would I would guess him. I would that that's who I'd guess. Yeah. I think that there's there's going to be some level of bias towards Brown just because you can justify some of his lack of huge production because of who he was there with. I I think that helps him, and I think that he's going to test pretty well athletically. I, and I just think that the small separator is going to be SEC versus Pac-12, um, and Nikhil Harrell, they'll both be first-round picks. Sure. And I I just I think it should be Harry, but I probably think Brown goes ahead of him. And then where do you put a guy like Kelvin Harmon in, in this? Well behind them, or is he? do you think a team might jump up and grab him? Because he's, like he's, he's a special talent, too, in my opinion. I mean, he's a guy I like a lot. He's never really been thrown in that same tier as them by anyone I keep hearing. But at the same time I say this, I saw a CBS Sports draft that had him go second overall. Wow. So, yeah. there's, I mean, there's definitely differing opinions on him. I, do, I wonder about him. His He's got decent yards per catch. He's about 15 yards. But he's got size. I Man, this wide receiver class makes me happy because there's oh. a chance that there's about 20 different wide receivers that could come out and be amazing out of it. And he has a chance to be one of those guys that right landing spot, he becomes instantaneously a huge part of an offense. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because looking looking towards the draft, there's a lot of like the skill positions are kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, especially quarterback this year is really rough. But then the receiver position, there's just so much depth. I interviewed uh, Chris uh, Trapasso for the Rotoviz uh, RV32 series, and we discussed the Buffalo Bills. But he does a lot of work with CBS on their uh, prospects and stuff like that for their college football prospects. And I know he has Nikhil Harry one, AJ Brown two, and then I think quite a bit further on is where you see uh, Kelvin Harmon. Um, but but I think I think all three of them, like you said, have great potential and great. Opportunity, and then that doesn't even get into the guys like Arcega Whiteside and uh, some of these other, other really, yeah, some of these other wide receiver Marquise Brown from Oklahoma who had another monster game. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun group. That is for sure. Well, and for as much as you and I are gushing about the wide receiver position, it was funny to hear, um, after the Amari Cooper trade to Dallas, that there were scouts saying they thought this was a down wide receiver class. And I'm just sitting to myself thinking, then you have not looked at this wide receiver class yet because it has the potential to be the best one we've seen in years. Absolutely. And I wonder if some of that is because of like what you said, some of these players are on not super highlighted teams like Minnesota and Stanford. You don't think about a Stanford wide receiver. You know, you think about Stanford offensive linemen, you know, so I wonder if if part of that Arizona State, Ole Miss, these guys are coming from schools that don't have that high pedigree of NFL talent around them for a lot of times for that position. So I wonder if some of their some of the biases there and people haven't really dug into it yet. And we'll we'll see it change come like once people have been working out and d- doing the combine and all that stuff. I, I had a couple of uh, one of the one of the players that I wanted to get your thought on again, not a first round talent probably, but um, Minshew, the quarterback for Washington State. What do you think he's done for his uh, draft stock? Do you think he has a has any any hope of being drafted early early ish? I mean, I think there's in this class you're never out of it. It's kind of the best way I can describe that is you're never really going to be way down the list with a wide receiver quarterback class underwhelming and he's definitely I mean you could have made a case that he was a Heisman Trophy candidate if it weren't for the fact that Kyler Murray and uh Tua Tagovailoa are uh so good as a prospect I'm a little underwhelmed he's he's got a 7.9 adjusted yards per attempt which is by all accounts very good but it's I mean if Justin Herbert comes out, I think that he's a pretty significant tier below a player like that. And then same with a guy like I think if Haskins, when you look at what they are side by side, I think you'd probably just lean towards the guy you think is the better talent. Now, you, you mentioned Justin Herbert. He's someone who I think his stock his stock has dropped dramatically um, to the point where I think he's actually going to stay another year in Oregon uh, for a lot of reasons, but one, I think he's he's just not put together the type of season that he's happy with, and and I would expect him to be back next year, uh, and that makes this this quarterback class even less Trash. exciting. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the possibility of a guy like Ryan Finley going early in the draft, which I mean, I kind of like NC State, you know that, but man, <laughs> that's no, that's probably not I, ideal. With regards to Herbert, the, actually the biggest selling point for him is he's going to play at cross your fingers, knock on wood. But it looks like he's going to actually get a full season without any injuries or any right s- step backs there. But his, his, like you said, his completion percentage is under sixty percent. Um, he's throwing more. He's thrown more picks this year. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. Good. Well, that, I think mean, that was a, a, a fun conversation. It's it's good hearing your your thoughts on that stuff because. It's uh, it's good getting a getting a head start on which names you should be paying attention to because a lot of times it's difficult. Like people go into the combine and blow up and like, okay, are they just like shorts and shirts guys, or can they do it on the field? But hearing some of your your thoughts on these guys is is definitely helpful in the preparation. Um, let's get into the recap though. We had a fantastic week uh, again. This is like back to back weeks where we're, we're really crushing. So uh, I was I was happy about that. We are all on board with Ohio State, Michigan State. Um, the more I think about it now, the fact that it was it was only four points is kind of crazy. Um, just given, I mean, it's hindsight, of course, is a beautiful thing. But yeah, it was close early, but not because Michigan State was doing anything good. I mean, 
it's sort of funny that it was, I believe, Cody White who tore us apart. Um, with who's they were so forcing him the ball, and his hand was still in a cast. I'm sort of weirded out by this game looking back on it because, I mean, Michigan State was playing without, in theory, their best running back, their best wide receiver, and I mean, they still did move the ball at times, but I think. I mean, their offense was pretty much putrid, putrid yes. um, throughout the game. It was a weird game. The only way I can com- say that I felt about this game was it was a couple of years ago. There was a uh, an Alabama and Mississippi State game where the final score was like seven nothing. But when Alabama won, the, when once Alabama went up by seven, you were like the game's over. Yeah, that's how I felt about this game because once Ohio State scored. I never felt like Michigan State really was a threat, even when they had, I think it was like a 40-yard run by Rocky. Um, I never felt like they really had, were a threat to march all the way down the field and score. I mean, it really wasn't a super exciting game, and 20 points is sort of misleading because as there was the defensive touchdown and the the gift of a safety. But yeah, yeah, I, I think we were all right. We looked at this and said. Yep, four points probably isn't enough. Even though I talked myself, I was really trying hard to just pick Michigan State. It was just that line was probably just way off because stylistically it was an awful matchup for Michigan State. Yeah, but you we were texting back and forth, and I think it was right before uh, Ohio State scored their first touchdown. We were we were texting like, okay, what's going to happen in here? What's going to happen in here? And then, much to your delight, which I think I texted you, I said, I doubt you ever thought this going into the season, but uh, you were happy to see Haskins come out for a play. I I love the idea of Tate Martell coming on the field. My dream scenario is if they looked at New Orleans Saints playbook, saw how Taysom Hill gets used, and did that. Because well, especially that would in college. Be well, I mean, if they were really wanting to, like do the run pass option. If urban has to run the run pass option for his offense to be a success, then he needs to figure out a way to somehow get both of them on the field at the same time. And then you're truly going to have the defense questioning. Okay. Are they going to run the ball with Martell? Are they going to pass the ball with Haskins is, are they going to set up a play where they fake a run with Martell, but he does a pass. Um, and it just, it would actually confuse the defense, but man, it was weird to say that when we got down to the red zone, I was so happy to see Haskins <laughs> yeah. get off the field because it was it's just finally some creativity um and that it it did. I mean, you saw it they got a 5-yard run the first play and all of a sudden it's second and goal from the 3-yard line and you're just sitting there thinking, "Okay, I can now somewhat trust that they can get 3 yards. I don't have to figure out a way for them to run the same three routes and it's just super crowded down there." So, yeah. yeah, I was I was really excited to see that it's it was finally creativity. And that's what I've been asking for since like week three. And it was it was interesting too. Ohio State didn't do. I mean, I think they only had a couple of explosive plays. I, I, I looked at ex- explosive plays. I know I talk about it every week, but those those plays of 20 plus yards, I think they only had like two. But but they were able to piece together a good offense. And I think I think they knew with how well their defense has been playing. And Ohio State's defense has been playing really well. But as well as their defense has been playing, especially against a limited offense like Michigan State, they didn't have to do too much. So they were happy to to run the ball. I think between uh, Weber and Dobbins, they ran the ball like 35 to 40 times, something like that. So they were really committed to the run and uh, and successful enough at it. And then Haskins took his sh- shots a couple of times, but, but really didn't have to when they 
they really controlled controlled possession. So I, I thought it was I thought it was a good good game for Ohio State. Again, I don't think it's enough to get them like a lot of buzz and them jumping people in the rankings. But at this point, just take care of business and and go out and beat Michigan and see what happens. I mean, the whole season comes down to if they beat Michigan, then they have a legitimate chance at somehow backdooring their way into the playoffs. If they don't beat Michigan, their season's over. So If they don't beat Michigan, you know who I'd love to see them play in a bowl game? UCF. Kentucky. UCF. Oh, I just think that would be so much I think that would be so much fun. I mean, we're the team that UCF would love to play. We're a huge national brand, so. Yeah, it'd be it, I, I and I hope that for UCF, but we'll we'll get into them in a little bit. Um, little spoiler. Um, so this next game I thought was pretty hilarious. So it was Mississippi State at Bama. It was a 24 and a half. And I said, watch. Because I think my logic was, listen, Bama just beat LSU 29 nothing. I'm sure they can go out and, and beat Mississippi State. And I was like, I mean, they'll probably do 24 nothing though. I said that. And then what do you know? 24 nothing. So we actually, this is the one that we got wrong this week. But it was so close. It was it was crazy. And Bama went up and scored on their first two drives. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be pretty easy. And then what do you think happened? Do you think that their, that Mississippi State's defense just kind of woke up and, and started forcing some long third downs? They were able to get another, they were able to get a couple turnovers. I know um, Tua threw another pick. That's two in a row now. He looks like he was banged up a little bit. So do you think that the offense uh, started playing less well? Or do you think they just took the foot off the gas a little bit because of the injury and not wanting to... I mean, I think... It's hard to it's hard to stay motivated to put up seventy when you know that your defense isn't going to let up a point. And with such a limited Mississippi State offense, I think they were totally fine getting out of there um, and not having Tua get back on the field after he got banged up. Um, Mississippi State couldn't do anything. They weren't going to run the ball, and if they can't run the ball, the Mississippi State's offense is done. It I. I think we were on the right side of the process of saying that Alabama would win by more than 24. I think so. I think too. Jordan I think Jordan was right in saying it's just too many points. It's I don't know. I the the only, my only takeaway from this game is I'm finally starting to see that Tua is human. Um his adjusted yards per attempt is down. It's actually below Kyler Murray now. Um and he's starting to trend towards being a human being. So who knows? Maybe maybe Alabama, maybe teams are starting to figure out how to slow him down if they can just beat up Tua. But at the same time, it's not like he doesn't have good protection most of the time. Yeah, and 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 along along those lines too, we're saying this after they just got done beating a team by twenty four points in the week before that twenty nine points. So while like figuring them out might mean yes, they're not scoring fifty anymore. <laughs> like. I still, I mean, they're still, to me, a class above everyone else. I mean, Clemson, sure, that's going to be fun. But uh, at, at this point, I don't see them losing before before the football playoffs. And even then, I, I think we kind of got them penciled in for winning the semifinals game. So, yeah, but it was interesting. It was it was interesting to, to watch for sure. And, yeah, the, the offense did look different. And, yeah, if something happens to Tua, I mean, who knows what goes down. I mean, they still do have a lot of talent. They got a great offensive line, as you mentioned, and yeah, the receiving cores is solid. And we talked about the running backs last week. So I thought it was funny that we spent so much time talking about the Harris boys last week. And then uh, it's Jacobs that goes out and has this massive game. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't Harris because he's terrible, clearly. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes. Have to. I know. Um, Have to. 
so let's move on to to what you described as the most exciting game of the weekend, and obviously it was Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. I mean, it was bedlam. It really was. Lived up to the name. 47-48. Uh, the minus 18 proved to be a little off, and we were all on that. But um, what a fun game. I walked away from this thinking a few things. One was Oklahoma's defense is terrible Bad. and frustrating to watch. <laughs> oh my god. It's like just tackle someone. Uh but man, I'm curious, did you like the call to go for the two point conversion after scoring the touchdown? I think that they realized that they were not going to stop this Oklahoma offense. So when you have a situation that it's a high variance situation, it's just you can make one play against a team that you think doesn't have a good defense, throw a coin up in the air, and maybe that's better chances than you actually getting a stop. I think I'm fine with it. I Typically, I like the aggression, and I in this case, I think it was probably the right call, if only because I think they're probably right in thinking they were never going to stop Oklahoma um, from the 25-yard line from getting seven or probably eight, six times. But I, I, it was just – it was one of those decisions, I think, that when they – set when they're thinking of it in the split in the moment they're gonna say what chance is better taking a 50 50 shot here or praying that oklahoma has three straight incomplete passes right and 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 to that like if you look at just the average if you look at the average yards per play that oklahoma state i mean they they threw for over 500 yards and ran for almost 140 yards like they were just cruising on offense yeah, you think you can get two yards or two and a half, whatever it is, um, for that two point conversion. So I I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was a good good call. I even like the play call. If you watch it, if Cornelius actually throws that ball where he needs to, it's it's a two point conversion, easy. He just missed missed his throw. Uh, but but I typically like if you're the underdog and on the road, and you have the opportunity to win it with one play. Yeah, absolutely take that. So I, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was aggressive coaching, and I I even liked the play call. It was I mean I was happy for the result, but it was unfortunate for them, obviously. And this was sort of a like national breakout game for Chuba Hubbard, um, who you had been talking I, about. I love him, and I mean, twenty two carries, one hundred four yards. I mean, for three touchdowns and adds on five receptions for nearly fifty yards. All in on him being a playmaker. He's going to be like a Chris Thompson type player for them. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, he was very impressive. And to be honest, I hadn't been thinking much about him at all this year until you mentioned him. I think it was a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I need to start paying attention. And then, yeah, in this game, you couldn't help but notice him. He was just all over the place. And yeah, he was a real, he was, he was one of those guys that they just could not bring down at all. I mean, there was, there was a lot of them they couldn't bring down at all, but he was one of them for sure. I mean, player that Oklahoma couldn't take down could basically just mean player on Oklahoma State. Yes. Uh, I like CD CD Lamb. I thought had a good game. Uh, it didn't show up on the um, on the box score, but he had one of the best blocks downfield. You'll see that uh, that that sprung. I think it was on one of Brooks's touchdowns, but yeah, it was it was fun. I thought he had a good game. And Marquise Brown, I thought separated himself again today. I thought he really looked like he could he could make the jump to the NFL and will be he'll be sitting sitting fine and dandy in the end zone for some happy NFL. If he wasn't team. five foot seven, I would think he'd be a first round pick. 
but he's, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure he's five, seven. So fast. And he's got great hands. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> he he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Tyler Lockett. Oh yeah. So yeah, he's, he's a, he'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Um, let's talk about Clemson at Boston college, 27 to seven. Uh, the spread was right at 20. So they, they called this one perfectly. I thought, yeah, I mean, I th- this was another impressive def- performance for Clemson. Clemson is, I mean, they're they're legit. And this Boston College team for a while was trying to do exactly what I predicted, which was they were just going to muddy up the game. They were going to slow the pace down, and they were going to try and play defense by being on the offensive side of the ball. And, I mean, Clemson's defense just was not going to let um, Boston College really get anything going. I mean, A.J. Dillon averaged 2.4 a carry. That's um, E.J. Defense. Perry... Yeah, I mean, EJ Perry didn't even crack 100 yards passing in the game for um, Boston College. And, I mean, it it at, when you have that going, you don't need that much going right for you on offense. Um, but even then, Trevor Lawrence passed for almost 300 yards. Um, so, credit to him. And, yeah, and he had some nice long balls, too. Like, he, he's, got, he's got nice touch on the long ball, but... They also let their their best receiver Hunter Renfro do some work down down right by the line of scrimmage. I, <laughs> I had to. I, I'm sorry. I hope. I think he's a senior this year, so at least I don't have to watch him next year. On Sundays, you do. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be the like Danny Amendola that hangs around the league for thirty five years. Absolutely, absolutely. He he'd make a great Tennessee Titan. I can tell you that right now. Oh, that's gross. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot more to say other than I think. Clemson's defense is really rounding into form. I think they're really playing great football, and they're and they're going to need to if they want to be able to compete with these these offenses like like Alabama and stuff like that. I I think it'll be yeah going going down the stretch. They just need to stay healthy, and and they'll be looking pretty. I mean, there's not a whole lot of competition coming out of the ACC right now, so that I think is their is their main goal. Are they still in line to play Pitt in the ACC title game? Because that'll be all kinds of uh, just a beating. Yes, yeah, that will be, and I th- I'm pretty sure that's what's supposed to happen. And and Pitt, like Pitt's doing well in the ACC, but you look at what they were doing before conference play, and it was not pretty. So, uh, yeah, the ACC is definitely having a down year, which is, yeah, it's 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 un- unfortunate. Yep. Uh, speaking of <laughs> Florida State at Notre Dame, a line was eighteen and a half, and we were all like, I I think that this is this is still not enough, and we all went with Notre Dame, and rightfully so. They ended up winning forty-two to thirteen, and, and then we all panicked when we saw the Ian Book news. Oh, oh my God! I, I of course titled last week's episodes Notre Dame book it, and then book is out. <laughs> oh, so I felt like a real idiot for for that one. But yeah, I was a little concerned. Like, okay, what's going to happen? I, I didn't doubt Notre Dame would still win. I just wondered if if the offense would be just not nearly as prolific as it was with book uh but they they got the job done uh, i didn't watch a whole lot of this game in all honesty uh Wim, but Wimbush, you know he, he he did what he needed to do i mean he didn't have an, an, a great game by any standards passing i mean right around 50 percent, he threw two picks only 130 yards but when you can you know run the ball for 365 yards you're going to win a lot of football games yeah i think they they did they looked at this game and said all right, Brandon Wimbush, you're going to be on the field, so don't ruin it. And he tried, but with his two picks, he did try to ruin it at times. But, I mean, 
it seems like for as much talent as you know Florida State has on this team, it just feels like they've quit. And yeah. it's a it's a bummer to say that because you don't like to put that on a team to think that they've really given up on the year. But this should have been their Super Bowl. This should have been their big moment, the opportunity to potentially be bowl eligible. And nah, they I mean, run off the field, play Notre Dame, run off the field. Do you think Taggart's job yeah. is Clemson think, two weeks ago? But yeah. Do you think Taggart's job is in jeopardy at all? It's hard to say no. But I mean, it, I mean, it should time. be. It should be. I mean, if the team has quit on him, that's a huge problem. But, yeah, they and just paid him. it's going to look really ugly when they end this year, most likely because they've got Boston College and Florida State, I mean, in Florida remaining. He should most likely end this year with five straight losses. Florida State doesn't like that from just an optic standpoint. That's the type of thing that makes recruits decommit. And unless I think he probably won't, uh, lose his job until after the signing day. If they have a bad December signing day, I feel like Taggart's gone. And that's so crazy to think he left Oregon one year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I even just think about like, not only is their season long record terrible, but then they've even had the, like the, the game against Clemson where it was like the worst defeat they've ever had, giving up more points in, at home ever than ever before. You know, like there's been these different things that have happened in the losses. It's not like they're losing a bunch of close games. Like they're just getting throttled in so many of them and le- losing to bad teams. And I mean, they, they very easily could have an extra loss in their record against, my goodness, I can't even remember who it was, but it was a, a no-name school earlier. I think it was like second or third week of the school, like Liberty Samford. or something. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, thank you. Um, and they, it took like a last-minute touchdown to win that game. And... I mean, you just all these things stacking up against them. It's yeah, it's hard to imagine him sticking around unless he can pull something out here. <laughs> and I can't imagine his buyout is so insane that they're going to get rid of him. I mean, that they couldn't get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, you look at what happened with, with at Louisville this week. I mean, the buyout there was still pretty large, and it was just worth it to move on, you know. So I think even with that, at some point, especially for these, like a school like Florida State. I don't think that's going to keep them from trying to make the, the right decision moving forward. Absolutely. But hey, a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. And by doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, which is our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy football questions. Patronships start at just 5 bucks a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Access premium content and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. And speaking of exclusives, as a local, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Get ready for the playoff push and gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools so you get an amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Yeah, and we obviously love Rotoviz. I've, I've really enjoyed being a part of the team this year. Uh, doing the fantasy football content was great, and uh, those guys are awesome. They really know their stuff. Uh, I do recommend uh, reaching out to a lot of them on Twitter as well. They're really good follows, get a lot of great information uh, for your fantasy football needs. So definitely look into that. We're going to move into our picks for next week. We're going to start off with West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Five and a half points is what West Virginia is favored by. What do you think uh, the right pick 
should be. See, this one, I feel like I'm, it doesn't, it feels like I, that West Virginia should be favored by more because they're a top 10 team going up against a team that's barely worth in being ranked. But I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. They've been hanging tough with a lot of teams of late. Um, I think it it's not going to be the same kind of shootout that last week was because West Virginia actually West Virginia actually plays some defense. I don't really have a lot of justification behind it other than the fact that the S&P Plus projects this game as only a 2.4 uh, projected margin. Five and a half points just feels like a little too much. Yeah, and do you think do you think any of this like do you think there'll be like a letdown factor in this game for Oklahoma State after such a, an emotional loss? Do you think they're going to be able to get up for this game and 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 play well enough to to win it, or do you think they'll just play well enough to keep it close? I think it it would be more of a letdown spot to me if they were going on the road again. If this was playing and then jumping out to West Virginia, then I would be a little more concerned about it being a letdown. Getting this type of game in their home crowd, in front of their home crowd, I like the spot. I don't think they're going to win it on the field, but I do think it'll keep it close. I would think it probably is about a field goal loss for them. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. I disagree. I'm going to take West Virginia. I think they win by, by more than a touchdown. I think they win fairly comfortably. I thought their last game was really interesting. I don't know if you were following much of West Virginia TCU last week. But at one point, it was, like, I think after the first quarter, it was 3-0 uh, TCU. And then well into the second quarter, it was it was still just 3-3 and not much was going on. And then all of a sudden, with about five minutes left in the half, West Virginia just poured it on and they did not look back. And, and they look like a very balanced team to me. They look really good. Like you mentioned, their defense, defense is pretty strong. But they've been able to run the football lately, and I don't think a lot of people think about that because Will Greer does get so much attention, and rightfully so. I mean, he's throwing for 300-plus a game, it feels like, you know, and multiple touchdowns. But, I mean, again, they, they rushed for three scores last week. They had over 160 yards rushing. I think their balanced attack will be enough to to overcome uh, the, the points, the, the spread here. So I think um, West Virginia... I think I, even if the line moved to, to seven, I, I would still be on them, but not much beyond that. And even though Jordan's not here, he is here in spirit. He's on my side with the uh, Oklahoma State pick. So he's, I'm guessing, just looked at the S&P Plus with me and rolled with it. Yeah, which is is, is a good strategy. <laughs> so I mean, Hey, it's, it's worked for a lot of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- this next one, I think, is, I think they're begging us to do something crazy here. Utah at Colorado at seven and a half points. I'm surprised that it's that low. Utah has been looking really strong to me. I mean, they just got done beating Oregon. And the, the score, I'm not even going to get into Oregon. I've moved on. You know this. Um, again, Oregon hasn't been great of late, but they're still a solid team. And Utah was able to take care of them pretty handily. I mean, the scoreboard looked made it look closer than that game even was. So I think Utah is is in for a big game. Colorado's got all kinds of craziness going on. Like we mentioned, they they just let their coach go. They have had a really terrible time of late. They're one and four against the spread over their past five games. They're all losses as well. So they're just heading in the wrong direction. I know they're at home. I don't think it's going to matter. So I'm taking Utah. And I am with you on that one. I just think this Colorado team... I'm not going to say they've folded and that they're giving up on the year and that I have with like the Florida State... 
I just don't think they're as good. And I actually think Utah's a pretty competent team. They've got uh, – they've had a few good wins this year. I mean, I think uh, a win over Stanford is sort of not great. But, I mean, they kept close with a top-10 Washington State team. The loss to Washington now looks a little bit worse, but at the same time, Washington's not bad. I just think this Colorado team was always a little bit overrated, and unless I think the only way Colorado wins this game is if Cheneau, uh just crushes. And Utah's defense has been pretty good. The most they're smart enough to come in this and say he's the one guy that we can't let beat us. Right, and even when he's had, I know he's been injured for a few games, but even when he's had decent games, it hasn't necessarily translated to to big results on the field. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm with you on, on that for sure. And yeah, Colorado is just, and you and you and Jordan kind of pointed it out early, me living here in the Boulder area, I kind of wanted to believe in them because it'd be just more fun if a local team is doing well. Uh, but it just hasn't, just hasn't been evident. And a lot of their early wins in the season were, were kind of against weaker teams or banged up teams. But I mean, uh, Chenault had over 100 yards this last week, 10 receptions. I mean, had a big game, and they could still only manage to score seven points. So I just don't think he's going to be um, – it's just not going to matter. Who did Jordan have in this one? Jordan, Jordan's with us, so it's uh, we're together on this one. We got, we got Utah. Oh, all right. So moving on, Iowa State, who has just been a pesky team, is traveling to Texas. Texas is favored by three. Jordan, I believe, has taken Iowa State. You Do you agree with him or just disagree with him? I disagree with him, and I don't have great logic behind why I'm doing this. I just think that S&P Plus has this as only a, a half-point margin for the game, has it actually as a super close game at home, coming off a pretty decent win against Texas Tech. I just think they're too much for Iowa State on the on their offensive side of the ball, and I think that this is kind of one of those games we talked about where it's a, a good offense against a, a good defense. It's not quite at like Michigan and Oklahoma level, but I think that when this game gets to like 14 points, I'm not really sure that Iowa State's going to be able to put up enough points to hang close. So if I only have to give up three points, I'm going to take the home team. I'm going to take Texas. Yeah, I, I always kind of view it as like, if it's a three-point spread, it's kind of like a like where the where the home team is favored. It's kind of like they're viewing it as a pick'em game and giving the three points for home field advantage. And I think Texas is is better than that when it comes to playing Iowa State. Again, I get Texas wrong all the time, so so beware. So I'm wrong? <laughs> no, but I I feel I feel like they'll be able to do enough. I think the receivers who we've talked about so much on this on this show, uh, I think Humphrey will be able to have a, a, another solid game i think they're going to be able to move the football and and i think i think the quarterback i think sam ellinger's getting healthier i think that's going to make a difference and yeah give me give me texas and i feel i feel pretty good about it but only you know as much as one can when talking about (laughs) when talking about texas next cincinnati against your defending champs university of central florida who are you taking there matt so this is where i go somewhat contrarian um, I think that most people would be just take the defending national champions here. Um, but I'm going to go another route, and I'm going to go hometown bias because as a Cincinnati native, I'm really a fan of what they're doing this year, and I actually like – I really like what Luke Fickle's done to the defense, and I like how he's kind of turned this team. He's given them the 
this defense first and keep the games lower scoring and run the football. Um, this whole it's it's sort of a mentality that they've adopted since he's arrived. Uh, I really like Michael Warren on them on the offensive side of the ball for them. I'm worried about the fact that uh, Central Florida is fifth in the nation in yards per play with 7.1. But when I say that, uh, Cincinnati is top five in the country in yards per play allowed. I do think this is going to be a contrast of styles in this spot just because this is the, I, I actually think this is their Super Bowl for Cincinnati. I think that this is the chance where Luke Fickle can finally let everyone know that his team has been real. I, I kind of like him to win on the field. Whoa, whoa, I like that call. That's bold. Wow, you made a lot of really interesting They're going to get rolled by like 40 because yeah. I said that. So I, I I had written down UCF. I, I really like, I really think this is a fun team. Mackenzie Milton, I think, is, is, a, is a really solid quarterback for the system. Um, they've been able to run the ball effectively. He's been able to run the ball effectively. I think they'll get out to a, a reasonably sized lead fairly early and Cincinnati's going to struggle to to stay in it. I also have not watched a whole lot of Cincinnati this year. So it's 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 somewhat hard to say. I will say that UCF is one of the best follows on Twitter. They're an awful lot of fun oh, great. and everyone should be all about that business. This is actually um, I'm glad you you added this game to the the show doc after I started putting it together, and I'm glad you did because this is actually having kind of looked into a lot of these games. I mean, West Virginia, Oklahoma State is super important as far as the Big Twelve goes for West Virginia, but just as a as a fan of football, this is the game I'm probably most excited about this week is is just to get to well, see I, Central I th- Florida. I think it's the game day game this week for ESPN, so yep, it's kind yep, of exciting down there. that. That'll be a great one. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I think UCF's been wanting the spotlight, and they're going to get it. It'll be interesting to see if they can rise to the occasion, and I think they will. I think they'll win uh, by by two by two touchdowns. Uh, which Jordan's is, with Jordan's with you on that pick. He's riding the public side. He's taking UCF. I just you know repeat national champs would be awesome. I don't know. I don't know if there's any feasible way outside of just absolute madness and chaos breaking where all these teams start losing. I don't know if there's a way for UCF to get into the playoff, but that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> but I mean, but this is how they—I mean, this is how they become Boise State. This is how they turn themselves yeah. into the program that everyone starts to consider it. And if they schedule a team like—I uh, mean, if they get a team like a Virginia Tech, like Boise State did on their schedule, beat them at the beginning of the year, all of a sudden they're going to start the year near that top ten. Whereas right. this year, after Scott Frost left, we all kind of assumed they were dead in the water. But oh yeah, hey, Mackenzie Milton's for real. Yep, absolutely. I remember Boise State when uh, when they beat Oregon, and it was that big game where the Garrett Blunt punched the dude and all that good stuff. And <laughs> uh, and that that was one of those games that put Boise on the map. So yeah, this is these are the types of the games they need to win with people watching to be able to to make that jump. So you're absolutely right. And, uh, so it's too bad they're going to lose this one. <laughs> yeah, that would that would put a damper on things. All right, we're going to wrap it up with our Yankee Stadium game. We've got Syracuse Notre Dame. The spread is ten. Who do you like in this one? I like picking against Notre Dame, and it's legitimately the only argument I have for the fact that I think Syracuse can hang with them. And it's because I'm still really hoping Notre Dame doesn't make the playoff because I don't want to see them. Um, they're not going to be able to move the ball as well as they did against uh, Florida State. 
I don't love the fact that Ian Book is coming off an injury. He is expected to play, though, I believe. I know, I know, I yeah. do know he is playing. I kind of think that they may have just treated that game as a bye week last week. Which is same time, not a terrible idea. I like, I like Syracuse in the spot. I think they've been one of those teams that's been quietly good all season with, I mean, their only losses on the year to Pitt and Clemson and Pitt's turning into a pretty reasonable team. So I don't like them to win on the field, but I do like uh, them to cover. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the points and I'm going to roll with Syracuse. I hope you're right, but I think you're wrong. I got Notre Dame (laughs) Um, and you and I, uh, there's none of our picks this week are are unanimous between the three of us. And you and I only agree on one this week. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, to see what happens. We're unanimous on Utah. We all hate Colorado. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Colorado's got nothing. I I so moved on from Colorado that I just they I glossed over them in my mind. Um. So yeah. So give me give me Notre Dame. I think the ten points is is not it's not enough to scare me off. If Book is even you know if he's at eighty eighty five percent health, I think they'll be able to to cover fairly easily. Uh, but I am often wrong. So we will we will see. Who does Jordan have in this one? Jordan's got Notre Dame. And I think I think you both are probably on the right side of this one. Does feel a lot closer to the. Uh, it's sort of similar to the Northwestern line. That when you see it, it does feel a little bit low, and that's probably for the right reason. So we shall see. But I like going Contrarian every once in a while. No, and I think that's smart. And a lot of times, like I remember when I saw the Tennessee Kentucky line last week, I was like, "What? That doesn't look right. What? What do they know that I don't know?" And sometimes that happens. Like sometimes people know stuff that I don't know. And the reason these lines are what they are is for those reasons. So, um, yeah, but when I look at this one, I just feel like Notre Dame is, is, is a much better team than Syracuse. And so I would assume that the 10 points isn't enough. Did you know, do you happen to know what the weather's supposed to be like at Yankee Stadium? I don't. Yeah. And now, and, me curious. Yeah, and I don't know if that matters. I mean, we just saw what Notre Dame can do when they decide, no, we're just going to run the football. Um, and, and they just, like I said, put up what, 300 and something something yards on the ground. So they they to me, they are a dynamic enough team with Ian Book that they'll be able to, to make it work regardless. But um, but Syracuse, I mean, they're they're not bad. I mean, they, they've been able to put together, like you said, they've had some some good wins and their losses aren't as terrible as we might have thought they were originally. So it will be it will be an interesting game. Um, I'll definitely have some eyes on this one. But but I I'm leading Notre Dame. And to answer your question, it looks like it's going to be like 40 degree or 45 degrees, uh, not likely for precipitation. It looks like it's only a 10% chance. Moderate winds, probably about 10 to 11 miles an hour. Okay. Yeah. So, so pretty I mean, neutral, probably, yeah. probably is optimal conditions for Notre Dame to go out there and do whatever they want. Yeah. Shouldn't be too sloppy of a game then. That's great. So that that's the last game we're going to cover today. Matt, is there anything you, uh, anything you want to leave our audience with? Any any other games you were looking at that you thought looked interesting or anything you want to uh, share with them? Um, so I will say that in the Ohio State-Maryland game, any spread on that game, I would it, it's going to be too big for me. I, I would fade that game with all my heart. Weirdly enough, I think that there's one wide receiver who doesn't appear to be very good, um, who will probably be the kryptonite for Ohio State once again, and that's Jarvis Davenport, which is a weird deep cut. Um, because he only has 22 targets this year and only nine catches, but he's averaging uh, over 17 yards per catch. Uh, sort of terrifying to me. I'm a little that even though I think they're a bad team and I think that Ohio State's defense is starting to get a little bit better, 
the types of receivers that actually really scare me are the non-NFL guys, the guys that are just field-stretching dudes who are small and agile. And so I, I'm keeping an eye out for him. If it's a, uh, if you're doing DFS, uh, Jarvis Davenport is a nice little punt wide receiver who I think you can probably get for cheap if he's on uh, your slate. So the line, the line's at fourteen and a half on that one. Terrified. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one, the one I look, I'm looking at, and this is kind of, I mean, this might be a cheapy, but NC State at Louisville, sixteen and a half. Give me NC State. I know it's a big number, but Louisville's got nothing to play for. They've already quit, and now they don't have a coach. Um, I think Finley tries to get his his stock back in the right direction, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them run up the score there. So just a couple of a couple of extra ones. And uh, Matt, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? You can find my uh, written work this season over at Rotoballer in my uh, – it's now called Dynasty League Scouting uh, Series. And if you uh, follow me on Twitter, I usually am tweeting about some type of prospect uh, here and there. And every once in a while, I will take over the uh, show's feed just because I get bored. Yeah, definitely follow Matt at Wispy the Kid. He, he's a fun follow. I, I, we get into it quite a bit course you can also text him at no i won't give him i won't give your number <laughs> but but uh no get 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 talking to matt he's got a lot of great insight uh and is just just fun to hang out with so do that uh, you can find me on twitter at stay fun Laco. you can find us at rotoviz cfb show on twitter uh so definitely follow all of those and jordan's uh j hoover 9787 on twitter so give him a follow as well uh we want to thank you again for listening it's always fun to be able to bring the show to you. Uh, we're looking forward to a fun week of games. Not all, not very exciting for some of the top teams, but there's still a lot of implications for the games that uh, that are going on. So definitely will be fun, and we're looking forward to next week. Any parting words, Matt? <laughs> uh, watch football. Yes, watch football. <laughs> all right, and get ready because Black Friday is is coming coming soon and that's when we get to watch oklahoma west virginia i will remind you of that every day until it happens because i cannot wait it's weird that you mispronounced ohio state michigan what did i say uh oklahoma west virginia oh (laughs) Ah, yeah that's gonna be such an awesome day Uh, it's gonna be fun all right that's it for today we'll talk to you all next week It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. The wait is finally over. NotFest Roadshow is back. 
October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live. Featuring Slipknot with Killswitch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.